Big news, guys, for all my clock dodgers out there who have been using the No Halftime app on your iPhone or the ones who have been waiting to use it on your Android devices, it is officially out in the Google Play Store right this minute. Use the promo code CLOCK, C-L-O-C-K. You get your free $10 instantly. This is free money. You can use it on any challenge you want. Baseball season is in full swing, so don't strike out on all the challenges that you can make there. Did you guys see what I did there? Baseball, full swing, don't strike out. <laughs> Never mind. Uh, DeGrom versus Kane, Harper versus Machado, Trout, Cabrera, Kemp. The names go on and on. It's seriously endless, especially with baseball. It's just crazy the options you have iPhone users, do me a favor. Do not be scared of the new blood that enters the water by way of Android devices. You got this, guys. Challenge them now. Baseball, basketball, golf, you name it. Nohalftime.com, where the fantasy season never takes a break. I have a great guest today. Let's get this conversation started. Cannot play with him. Cannot win with him. Cannot go with him. Can't do it. We talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We talking about practice. Down goes Frazier. Down goes Frazier. You are now locked in to the Clock Dodgers podcast. Clock Dodgers podcast. With the NBA playoffs, you know, damn near around the corner, I wanted to give the NBA all the attention it deserved today. Therefore, I invited a guest on the episode who is a contributor at uh, MiamiHeatBeat.com. He's also a fun guy to follow on Twitter at all times, but specifically when the Miami Heat are playing because uh, his his timeline is crazy. Um, I do want to welcome to the show Leif. Uh, I appreciate you for joining me, man. Definitely uh, excited to be here. Thank you for uh, for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, yes, playoffs are around the corner. That's always uh, a fun time of year for me and uh, I know a lot of uh, of heat Twitter. Yeah, absolutely. So let's get right. I want to jump right into actually your favorite subject, which is the Miami Heat. Um, you're obviously super passionate about them. Um, the team is in the you know the midst of the playoffs here, almost about to start. Um, they got beat the other day on Friday by my Magic. However, I can't really talk too much shit because you know Miami is playoff bound and my 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 Magic are you know homebound. So um, you have an entertaining team to watch. Um, there's a, a good group of young and, and veteran presence, a lot of talented young guys, Whiteside, Richardson, Winslow, you know, who still have, of course, plenty of room to develop. Um, so by, by no means are they at their peak, but realistically, you know, heading into the playoffs, what, what do you feel like your odds are of, of just winning it all? Like, you know, winning the Eastern conference or whatever it is, what, where do you feel like, and I know, you know, many people at home are going to be like, that's crazy. They don't have a chance, you know, Cavs, LeBron, la la la, but I, I really don't care about that. You know, for me, the playoffs, everyone starts 0-0 again. I don't care, you know, what you did previously. Everyone has a chance. So no matter, you know, how slim it may be or, or however crazy the odds may be, what, how, how strong do you feel going into the playoffs right now with the Heat? That, that's a very – it's an interesting question this year with this group. Um, it's, it's one of the more polarizing teams that, that I think we've had in terms of expectations um, because, truthfully, I could see them – uh, going into the playoffs and losing a first-round series to the Hornets, Celtics, or Atlanta Hawks. And I could just as easily see them winning that same series, going on to face a Cleveland or Toronto, and also winning that. So um, it's it's an interesting mix because you have a group of guys who um, – you have some playoff-tested veterans in the starting lineup, but then you're also relying, uh, you know, within your eight-, nine-man rotation – on rookies and guys who don't have a ton of playoff experience, guys like Hassan Whiteside, Goran Dragic. So um, it, it's really a mixed bag. And uh, approaching the playoffs, you know, I always go in confidently. I have, uh, you know, I, I have faith in the coaching staff, faith in, uh, you know, guys like Dwayne Wade. Um, but you have so many unknowns that it's hard to go in and say, you know, we're winning the East and we're obviously – um, not in contention to win a championship. That is just a, that is delusional, cocky Heat fan that thinks that. Um, really, this season from the get-go was a lot about, uh, I think, the expectation was to finish top four in the East, and we just won our shot at Cleveland. 
Right. So, okay. So, so for you, championships isn't isn't really an option, and, and going into the season, it never really was. So, you're not necessarily disappointed as a fan because it wasn't what you really expected to happen. I could say, is that right? I mean, absolutely. No. I, I mean, the one thing that um, I think if you speak to any Heat fan who has any long-standing history following the team, uh, we know when we have a contending roster and when we don't. And, um, you know, we're just not there yet. Uh, I, I will say that this group, if you were to parachute Chris Bosh at 100% onto this roster right now and replace Amari Stoudemire's minutes with Chris Bosh, uh, the ceiling obviously is elevated considerably, but um, that's not going to happen. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, the expectations, it's all about expectations and, and where you kind of put the team and, and um, I think, you know, considering all of what's gone on with, with Bosch out, shuffling around the roster, moving Whiteside to the bench, relying on rookies, seeing these guys emerge, um, Dwayne Wade's health has been a positive, all of those factors considered, uh, I, I actually am really, um, I feel good about this season. I think it's a, it's a big stepping stone for, um, for what's going to happen uh, going forward when we, you know, get into free agency and get to sit down maybe in a room with a guy like a Kevin Durant. Right. Uh, so so or, Eastern Conference know, Finals, Championship, all that or not, it's really a success for the Heat either way when you think about it, right? I mean, as far that they've gotten to the playoffs with, like you said, you know, a lot of unforeseen issues that, that no one expected, of course, with Bosch and all these kind of things that, you know, hopefully, I don't, I don't know what his – you know, plans are as far as his health. It seems like he wants a return, of course. Um, whether that's going to be a, an option, you know, if this is going to keep happening or what. But, but like you said, it, it seems like no matter how the playoffs play out, although you guys, of course, want to advance, it's almost been a success already. You know, with how things have played out. Um, but, but, but yeah. again, you are mentioning a bunch of these young guys and everything. Um, so, th- so there's a lot of variables. And like you said, you can see you guys, you know, get knocked out in the first round, or you guys, you know, see you winning it. So. Um, you know, it's interesting, like you said, how it almost feels like a success already, whether, you know, no matter how this plays out. For sure. I mean, the, the only thing I think that would um, put a damper on what's already taken place would be if we go into the playoffs and Winslow, Richardson, Whiteside, these young uh, kind of um, X factors, if you will, uh, if they completely did not show up and it was a short first round series against a team like Boston or Charlotte, uh, even Atlanta, um, you know, I, that would probably leave a little bit of a bad taste in our mouth going into the off season. But, um, but I, you know, I tend to agree with you overall, considering everything, uh, you kind of have to look at it as a, as definitely a year where we took a step forward, not a step back. Right. Absolutely. And so, I mean, just you know, really quick before we leave the Eastern Conference uh, discussion at all together, um, the the Raptors. I had a question from a um, a guy on Twitter named Jay. Uh, he's also on Twitter. He's at uh, One Little Indian JD. He's also on the FL app um, as One Little Indian, and he and he just. He, he, he's just curious of what our odds are or what our take is on the Raptors and whether they really have a legit chance here. I mean, you know, it, it seems like, and I know everyone as far as people who are just people who watch the playoffs only or, you know, um, the casual fan, you know, they're not really giving someone like the Raptors a chance. They all obviously think LeBron, Curry, finals is kind of like what they already have, you know, in their in their book. They just think that's what it is. That's what it's going to be. But how, how do you feel about the Raptors? I mean, do you feel like – LeBron and them are really going to be able to just walk through this thing, or do you think they're a real legit contender? Um, It's interesting. Uh, You know, Toronto's never won a playoff series with this current group, and I think that that needs to be taken into consideration because until until you do it, it's hard to really uh, know the scope of where a team can go. But, But I will say this. I think that Cleveland is probably one of the more vulnerable one seeds we've seen in a conference in some time. I think that mentally they are capable of crumbling. Uh, You know, not LeBron himself, because we all know that he's a great player and he plays big and uh, he plays well in big games. Um, For the most part, there's been a couple, you know, exceptions to that rule. So I'm not as much worried about LeBron, but the supporting cast around him. Uh, you know, I I wouldn't be comfortable, you know, counting on Kevin Love, Kyrie Irving, J.R. Smith, as guys that are going to necessarily um, show up when the when the when the stage is at its hot, you know, when it's at its largest point. So, right. 
I think Toronto has a shot. I mean, I saw a video of Popovich uh, giving Dwayne Casey a, a handshake after a game recently, and I think that we we did a little bit of lip reading there on Twitter, and it looks like he said to him, I think you're going to go to the finals. I really think that. And I think that that really points a lot more toward the vulnerability that's been shown by Cleveland rather than Toronto necessarily having a chance to win it all. I mean, I really think that every team in the Eastern Conference, including Cleveland, has to kind of temper the enthusiasm and expectations when they get into a seven-game series against a Golden State or San Antonio. Right. I um, but they do have a shot. I, I really think Toronto has a shot. They could they could have a tough go of it against certain teams, uh, certain matchups, but um, Cleveland is ripe for the – for the take, you know, the, the conference is right for the taking, and Cleveland could easily win. Yeah, and I mean, and, and how can we argue with Popovich? <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, exactly. If he, if he I mean, believes if he it, I believe it. Then, <laughs> yeah, I mean, who are we to know anything, you know, more than that guy? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, I mean, back to Miami Heat really quick. I just, just curious on your take on this, and I, and I, of course, I've seen things you've said and read, but just I just want to kind of delve into it a little bit. Do you feel the Miami Heat are built for the future? Like, are they prepared? I mean, as far as, you know, I personally love Whiteside's game, right? But I wasn't so sure about, you know, whether, you know, throwing max money at them, you know, at him, if that's going to happen next season and how I feel about that. Um, but however, I mean, I'm convinced that it's the right move. Even if you guys do throw max money at him, I feel like it's like the only move, unless you're going to do like a sign in trade or something, because I'd hate, you know, for Miami Heat just to lose him to for nothing or whatever. But, you know, what are, what are, what are you guys feeling as far as, you know, Whiteside's future and, and the future of the Heat, you know, as far as, you know, without Dwayne Wade maybe at some point here, maybe Chris Bosh not coming back. Do you feel good about it? Um, that, that, it's, that's a loaded question. I'll try to not uh, ramble on too much because there is so much uncertainty. Um, so with Whiteside, uh, basically the first, let's see, four months of the season, three months of the season, I would have told you, no, uh, the, the team was probably prepared to, uh, to let him walk. Actually. Um, they were not, and they still don't believe that he is a max contract player. Right. But the market is going to di- the, the market will dictate that that guy is going to get paid. There's too many teams with too much money and teams that strike out on the big fish are going to overpay the Hassan Whiteside, Nick Batum's of the world. I completely agree. So uh, with Bosch's situation so uncertain, and uh, I would even lean towards saying that there's a chance Bosch could never play again. Um, I think that you have to lock up Hassan Whiteside, even if it's at at a max contract slot, because if he continues to play the way he's played since the All Star break, and built and kind of uh, built a reputation of not just chasing counting stats like rebounds and blocks, uh, buying into the team concept, mm-hmm. uh, not worrying about necessarily getting a ton of touches. It's more about um, you know fitting into what the team is trying to do. I think it's shown that he can still he can still look great and have the dunks and have the blocks, but also contribute to winning. Um, if you get that white side, he's worth every penny, but you don't know what a guy's going to do once he gets paid. Uh, but with Bosch's uncertainty, you have to pay him. And I think that going into the season, it felt like we had very little young players and assets to move forward with. But with the emergence of Josh Richardson, Justice Winslow continuing to get better every day, I know his jump shot has been uh, ugly at times, but uh, that's something that through a lot of work and repetition, I think you can fix. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, you have Pat Riley, who, when it comes time to free agents, marquee guys, uh, that's an advantage. Miami is also an advantage where you know where the team is, no state income tax. All those things, I think, point to uh, a reason to be positive about you know going forward into the future. Yeah, I, like I said, I, I see it too, and like I said, I hope you guys do retain Whiteside, especially if Bosch goes, because you guys need that. But um, the the one guy that, of course, for some reason, his name pops up again with Miami, and um, I don't even want to think about it happening again. Obviously, I'm in West Palm Beach, Florida, right? And so Miami fans are heavy down here, uh, as inconsistent as they may be, or you know, some may say they're bandwagons, or sometimes, especially when LeBron was there, right? He got crazy. So um, 
I don't I don't want it to happen again. And I I'm just curious to what your take on it, whether you want it to happen or whether you even think it's even real, if it's a possibility or we just are people just saying LeBron's going going to go back to Miami. Is this just a headline? Is it just, you know, for blog hits or is this something that you think is real? Because we, we, we've seen all kinds of stuff, you know, LeBron hanging out in Miami on days off and, you know, how we know his relationship with Dwayne Wade and these guys and um, all, all, all this stuff. It just seems like it gets ugly in Cleveland for him, right? I don't know what it is. It just, it never felt that way to me when he was in Miami. And so I'm just curious, do Heat fans in general want him back after the way he left? And, you know, do you think it's even real? Is this just something we're just, you know, we can't get away from? Um, <clears throat> I do not think it's real. I don't think he's coming back. Uh, I think that, um, that, a lot of what LeBron does is extremely calculated, and it's all in an effort to create the um, the feeling around the, the Cleveland organization that he has all of the leverage and all of the power. When he went back to Cleveland, that was not a basketball decision. That was a decision to have organizational control and also to change the narrative on his career in terms of him no longer being a villain and now being a hero. Um, and he's not going to leave that. He would, I, I, I believe he would get um, criticized in ways that, were, that may even eclipse what happened in 2010 when he left the first time. So I really don't think that it's possible that he's going to leave Cleveland. I don't think that he really can from a PR standpoint. Now, I could be wrong. Uh, he could prove me wrong and go elsewhere. But I just think the odds are that he's going to stay there. And when he does things like go down to Miami and work out with Dwayne Wade or, uh, you know, tweet very cryptic messages, I think all of that is just a very calculated way that he can remind Cleveland that at any moment he could walk out that door. And that franchise, because of the lack of leadership, stability, historic, um, you know, basic incompetence, that they could basically just become, you know, nobody again. The Cleveland right. Cavaliers could turn into a lottery-bound perennial loser if he walks out the door. And as long as he reminds them of that in whatever ways he can, um, and specifically ways that point back to Miami, because all of the, those organizational flaws in Cleveland are the exact opposite in Miami – that's a way for him to always have control of the situation. If he wants a guy to get paid like Tristan Thompson, that's $80 million for a bench player. Right. If he wants them to trade Kevin Love this offseason, they're going to do it. They're going to do whatever he says, and that's really what I think a lot of that is. But Heat fans, now I'll, now that was a long-winded answer to part of it. Do Heat fans want LeBron back? Um, I would say Heat fans want to win. And whatever that entails, I think most of them are going to sign up for. I think that LeBron James, uh, there was a, that was a pretty big circus. And for a guy like myself who's been a Heat fan my entire life, um, like literally since, uh, you know, I don't know, 89, 19, 1990, uh, we were like this franchise that was built on hard work and guys like Alonzo Mourning, uh, hard-nosed, like you put in the effort, the work. It was not flashy. Right. Uh, Shaq kind of changed that initially. LeBron coming made it a circus. Um, I, I, there's part of me that doesn't really want to deal with that that madness again. But winning always cures all. So I think Heat fans, you know, most of them would tell you that they would take him back. But I've heard pretty strong signals that if that were ever to even be possible. Pat Riley would basically tell LeBron James, I will only negotiate directly with you. Uh, he wants no part of anything to do with Rich Paul. Uh, he doesn't want to acquire any of his clients. He doesn't want to speak to him. He, wants, he will not do business with Rich Paul. And I think that that's a pretty big deal breaker when it comes to LeBron James. Yeah, and, and it's funny when you say that about, you know, you're not sure you want to deal with that circus again. It's funny because I never think about that angle from, like, the true Heat fans' perspective because, you know, obviously, I mean, I'm sure you can admit that when LeBron came to Miami, there were a lot more Heat fans than ever, right? So it, the regular Heat fans or, you know, the Heat fans like yourself who have been longtime Heat fans, you had to deal with a lot of shit, right? I mean, people would never drop 
the whole bandwagon thing. Oh, how long have you been a Heat fan? Can you name five players on the other team before LeBron? Like, Heat fans never heard the end of that, right? And so I never thought about the diehard Heat fan who had to deal with that, you know, like on a day-on, day-out basis. Um, so I, I can imagine that was kind of a lot to bear, like as a fan, um, you know, dealing with that circus. Yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of funny. I, I'm sure some people would probably say, oh, boo-hoo, Heat fan gets to go to four straight finals, and the worst thing you have to deal with is, um, you know, a lot of media coverage and ESPN having their own Heat, uh, you know, dedicated Heat uh, landing page and things like that. But from a from a person who's been, uh, you know, a fan my entire life of the team, and uh, to see them so, like, universally hated by everybody when, from my view, Although I know that the way that it unfolded was probably not the um, ideal way to come together in terms of how they presented themselves with the pep rally and the not one, not two, not three. I really, when I looked at those guys coming together and t- taking less money, sacrificing um, statistics, uh, kind of knowing that they were going to have to adjust their roles on the team when they've been the number one uh, option, you know, where they were previously, I kind of felt like that should have been uh, applauded and, and, and people should have looked at it and said, wow, these guys are actually doing something. And it's a, it's a, it's a decision based on trying to win. And instead it was universally hated. And, uh, you know, the entire country hate watched my favorite team that I'd been rooting for my entire life. And it's like, there's part of me that says to myself, man, Ronnie Cycli didn't die for this. Keith Askins <laughs> didn't die for this. Glenn Rice didn't die for this. Um, you know, but I, I understood why team, why people would would hate the the way LeBron left Cleveland, and he's an e- easy target to for people to go after. But I just thought the whole premise of how the team came together, and a lot of people talked about uh, the team was bought, it wasn't built. And, uh, you know, really that would allude to that they, you know, uh, that we bought them because we were the highest bidders. And that wasn't the case. I mean, those guys took less money and they came together. So it it was a strange place to be for a Heat fan for four years. And although the winning cures all, there is a part of me that enjoys, um, like, not, like, having a, a complete firestorm of people in my Twitter mentions, even, you know, in my everyday life, people that I know were, were just openly hating my, the team that I've, you know, loved my whole life. It was a really weird spot to be in as a fan. Uh, and the noise, uh, that noise uh, going away, there's part of me that, that enjoys not having it here. But. Right. Right. And, and, and like I said, I can relate because I think anyone who wasn't a Heat fan at the time probably took part a little bit. Right. In that in the in the in the, you know, the attack on Heat fans, because and like I said, I don't know if it's just because I'm in Florida, especially southern Florida. Um, but, you know, it, it was it was pretty, you know, pretty intense, you know, the the whole the whole time. And, and so, he you know, non Heat fans definitely went at Heat fans very hard. And, and like I said, before that, you wouldn't hear a peep out of those people, you know, as far as harassing Heat fans. Like they never had a word to say. But as soon as that all occurred um, and, and, and the funny thing is, is, I think most of most of us fans who were not fans of the Miami Heat at the time would would trade would trade with you for that situation just for those championships. You know what I mean? Because a lot of fans don't know what it feels like to win a championship has, has, has no idea, you know, what that moment's like. So I think we would trade with you. We were probably a lot of fans or maybe we're envious of the situation, you know, and that's, you know, that's the way we, people react when they, when they are jealous of a situation or whatever it may be. But the one credit that I do have to give to heat fans is when LeBron left, although, although many were mad and upset and, you know, they felt like he was part of their future and that's what you guys had planned for. You guys took it better than Cleveland. I know he's not a hometown boy or nothing, but you guys did win championships with him and he kind of left, you know, not nothing really expected to happen, but you guys handled it better. You know, no one, no one really got too crazy about it or blasted him for doing it. I know, I know right away, initially it kind of got a little crazy, but after that, you know, you guys don't, you know, carry some kind of burden with you or, you know, hold it against them so much. And I think that helps the team in a turnaround that it has, you know, with the young talent that they've infused it with and, and bringing in guys like Drogic and stuff like that. I think that helped, you know, in the turn, in the the turnaround. Cause like you said, the front office in Miami is just better than the front office in Cleveland. So I think. Pat Riley and Spo and those guys were able to make that transition a lot easier for the fans. And, and and I think that's why you guys have had this quick turnaround. And so that's why I feel like the future for, you know, for Miami isn't as dim as many would have thought it would have been, you know, when LeBron left. 
Yeah, I mean, there, there's two points of view there, uh, and you bring up a great point about it. The organization, uh, although they were seething mad in ways that uh, I, I, I don't think people understand how angry and upset and disrespected um, Pat Riley, Mickey Arison, Andy Ellisberg, how, how, how those guys felt when LeBron did what he did the summer that he left. There's a lot of that that, that, get, that was severely underreported about um, kind of how that played out before he left to go back to Cleveland. But they, they still gave him a video tribute his first time back. We didn't boo and, and, and throw the and, and give him the finger and write signs that said, you know, all, you know, Akron hates you. So there was a level of um, taking the high road that I think was there. But there is also uh, another uh, part of the Heat fan base, uh, specifically on Twitter, and it's hashtag Team Petty, that will not, <laughs> uh, you know, kind of um, let that go. And, there, and, and there's part of me that really subscribes to a lot of that because I think that uh, that what LeBron did and how it was handled was um, – it, it, it was just – it was unprofessional. It's not the way that you um, go about doing that. And he did it the same way with Cleveland. It was just a lot more public. Yeah, um, it, it's, it's, so, pretty, it's, it's a little classless. But, but, but we're starting to see and – I, and I used to think that we just like to attack LeBron, but I'm starting to feel like he feeds off of this. Like he really does enjoy – um, you know, causing that stir. You know, he, he seems to enjoy causing panic or whatever you want to call it. It's, it's almost like he feeds off of it. I, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not blasting the guy or nothing, but it just seems like with all these little things that he does, like you said, removing people from Twitter and moving staff from Twitter and all unfollowing people. It just, I don't know, man. It just seems like he really wants to drive that energy for whatever reason it is. And, and, and another part of that that I think uh, that needs to be considered is, is that for the last, um, you know, almost a decade now, uh, LeBron has been the number one conversation league wide. He is the number one thing that people are going to point to when you bring up the NBA this year. Uh, and it, it started last year, but specifically this year, he is not the number one story whatsoever. Um, he is, uh, an afterthought to what's going on in golden state. Yep. And I think that, you know, part of all the things he does on social media, and, and the things that he do, does to get Cleveland fans panicked right now uh, has to do with just building as much leverage as possible uh, with the Cleveland organization so that he can always get what he wants. Because when, when he went back there, that was about organizational control, as I've said before. Um, but um, also, he, he does these things so that he gets back in the news stream. Uh, and he, I think that he, he's having to adjust to not being the greatest show on 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 an NBA basketball court anymore. Yeah, and, and I mean, speaking of the greatest show, in my opinion, in many people's opinions, I'm not sure if you agree, but to me, that's Steph Curry. And, you know, I watch him with pure awe. I respect his game. Um, I think he's, his, he's special. What the Warriors have built is special as a, as a team and as a whole. Um, I think we're on the brink of something – you know, something that at least some people in certain eras of, of not maybe not the older fans, but certain fans haven't seen anything like this. Right. So um, some, some people do disagree. I mean, I know some people don't uh, some people don't care for Curry. Uh, I've, I've seen people say they don't like his antics on the court. Um, he's arrogant. Um, all, all these little things. And I've even seen people go as crazy as say that his three point shooting or the Warriors three point shooting style has ruined the game because it's just a three point show. And I don't know where it comes from because I enjoy and, I, and I've said this on previous podcasts with other with other people. Um, I enjoy watching them play like even the re- most ridiculous shots that he takes. And it looks like it's nothing to him. Um, I, I enjoy all that. And I don't know if I'm in the minority or if I'm in the you know majority with that. Um, but I feel like people seem too busy, you know, worrying about w- what they're doing and, and all this kind of stuff. And I just feel like we should just enjoy the moment. You know, um, we're watching something special that we're going to tell our kids about, or maybe our kids are watching it with us and they can say, Hey, when I was young, I seen this happen, you know? And, um, do, do you, do you feel like that we're appreciating the moment as a whole, as NBA fans, do you feel like we're appreciating this moment enough? Or do you feel like it, maybe we're not given enough credit as far as the record they're about to break? Um, you know, the effortlessness that comes out of Curry to make you know, the plays that he makes and the way that he plays, do you, do you feel like we're giving it all the credit it deserves or do you feel like maybe it's not getting its total attention? Um, I, I think that 
uh, and, and I, I have to agree with you that I watch that team in the same exact way that you do. I watch them in awe. I enjoy it. I want them to make history. I think that that's good for the game. I think it's good for the young fan who maybe didn't see Jordan, like you said, uh, and see historic teams. Um, I it, It's interesting because I, I, I have heard a lot that there are um, – people out there that um you know that do a lot of the things that you say like think that the that that the way that they're playing the game relying on the three-point shot that it could be bad for basketball or that you know some of the showboating is not necessarily uh something that you want to see but um I, I really think people should embrace when historic things are happening in a sport that they love that i don't think it's something that you should um you know like everyone's so quick to say, well, they're not the Bulls, they're not Jordan. Right. And I kind of feel like um, that's kind of missing the point, like embrace the moment now uh, and enjoy it. And, you know, just from my standpoint, I don't see as much of the hate, and I think that that kind of points back to that my timeline, who I follow and who follows me is generally uh, centered around the Miami Heat. And we're kind of in a position where we have a vested interest in the success of a team like Golden State or even San Antonio um, because they're having a pretty historic year also. I think it's it's really interesting that we have these two teams that are so good, and uh, San Antonio doesn't get talked about as much because Golden State is such uh, an interesting, you know, just uh, amazing show. But the, Heat, the, the Miami Heat fan just wants Cleveland not to win, and Golden State is probably the biggest ticket to that. So, the, uh, you know, from a Heat fan perspective, I, I don't see as much of that hate but I would imagine that, you know, like any team that becomes great, there's going to be people that are not going to jump on board. They're going to doubt it. They're going to say, eh, they're not the 90s Bulls. And uh, I think that's completely missing the point. Yeah. I, I am not one of those. Now, now, now that you mention it, maybe maybe the, the, the better question is, are the Spurs not getting the attention they deserve? Like you said, you know what I mean? Maybe maybe we're missing the boat on that. You know, maybe we're, we're giving too much attention to, to Curry and them and not to to you know the Spurs, Popovich, Duncan, all, all this you know all these guys that have done something very special. Um, they they they're kind of getting pushed to the side a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, and it's kind of I think it's twofold. One thing it's that um, Golden State, while also having a historic record, is super fun to watch. And I wouldn't necessarily classify San Antonio's style of play as that same brand of basketball. No. And also, I think that uh, you have a lot of people that have become desensitized to the to the um, the greatness that is the San Antonio Spurs organization. Uh, that the consistency with which that they win and they uh, continue to like funnel in new guys. Like now, you're seeing Duncan, Parker, Ginobili. They're, they're not having to rely on them because they've like built this team now around Kawhi Leonard and, and LaMarcus Aldridge seeing that shift. I mean, that like that should really be something like that's the model NBA franchise. Yeah. Uh, so they're yeah, getting that Patriot effect, be, right? Where you just kind of, it just kind of status quo at this point. Exactly. Exactly. So um, it, it's an interesting dynamic, but I really think looking back on it years down the, down the road, because we, the, the real interesting thing about basketball is that everything can change uh, at the drop of a hat. I mean, the Heat, I felt like we're building a generational team and, you know, they were building a team that you could see uh, challenging for a championship for, you know, maybe a decade, depending on the pieces that you put around. And uh, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, uh, with one Sports Illustrated letter, uh, for, you know, orchestrated by Lee Jenkins and LeBron James going back to Cleveland, that completely changed the trajectory of the team, of the league, of who was the perennial favorite. Um, and that can happen with a Golden State or a San Antonio. So um, I think that it's important for us to maybe uh, stop nitpicking and, and maybe enjoy the moment because, you know, it can, it can, everything can change at the drop of a hat, like I said earlier, and you never know when that's going to happen. So enjoy the greatness while it's here. Exactly. I, I totally agree with you on that. Um, the Warriors, it's a special time. For the Spurs, it's a special time, even though it seems like it's coming to the end of their special time. But still, you know, it all needs to be appreciated just the same. Um, so I, that, I do want to end that talk there because I want to jump to uh, the game that we play, foul or no foul. It's that time again. <laughs> Let's play another round of foul or no foul. And so I'm going to give you just a brief explanation of how we play it for those who are new to listening or whatnot. Basically, I'm going to give you a statement. 
and then you're gonna tell me foul if you disagree with it or no foul if you agree with the statement okay so um, I'm just gonna jump right into the questions here I got some from Twitter from people on Twitter some that I just kind of schemed up myself here so the first foul or no foul statement is gonna be Kevin Durant will play for a team in the NBA next season not named the Oklahoma City Thunder foul or no foul no foul so you so so you say he's gonna say he's gonna be with them again no, I think he's leaving. Oh, you think he's leaving? Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So you think he's leaving? Okay, so, so what do you think? Do you yeah, I mean, do you have a team in mind that you feel like he's leaning that he's going to lean towards, or do you think this is just going to be all in the air craziness when everyone gets their money? Uh, I, I've heard from from a buddy of mine that I trust that is uh, close to a, a player on the Thunder that they, that team is operating under the assumption if they don't make a deep playoff run or win a championship, that Durant's mind is completely open and that he will consider all of his options um and do, do, i really do you feel think like everybody has a chance a hard... though do you think every team has a chance or do you think that he's only really no, not, not not at all it, it's tough to really say i mean I, I think a lot of people thought that washington was going to be the team that maybe could have came up out of nowhere with it with a john wall and a bradley beal and kind of a, a good young core uh, and he could kind of just like drop in on that team and they could become a contender. But they kind of really ruined that whole plan with having such an awful season this year and underachieving. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think it's pretty wide open. I've heard people say LA, I've heard people say uh, New York. Um, I, you know, I've heard, you know, people say, wait till, you know, Pat, all Pat Riley wants to do this summer is get in a room with Kevin Durant and sit <laughs> down with him. Uh, so I think that there's a lot of options there, and obviously anyone would be happy to take them. But I do not think that – one of two things is going to happen. He's either going to make the jump this year or he's going to sign a one-in-one, a one-year deal with an opt-out, and he's going to re-enter free agency in 2017, reassess his options, and I think he will leave then. Ultimately, the moral of the story is, is I do not believe he'll finish his career in Oklahoma City. Yeah, I don't think he will either. The one-on-one idea is, is becoming pretty popular, of course, as far as him signing for one more year and then, like you said, reassessing and kind of getting even more money um, in 17. I hear Golden State, you know, recently, for some reason, that name keeps getting thrown around with Golden State. Um, obviously, I mean, you know, who are we kidding if any team isn't planning in some way, you know, to sell themselves to Kevin Durant? I mean, I know... You know, I have to assume the Orlando Magic, I'm a fan of them. I assume they're doing the same thing. You know, they have all this young talent. They shipped away Tobias Harris. Um, They have tons of cap room. But then again, who doesn't? You know, so um, I think everybody is really going to try to sell themselves on him. And I feel like he's going to be more open maybe than, than, than people think as far as, you know, the location where he'll go to. Because, I mean, let's be honest, he played in Oklahoma City, which isn't the hugest market, right? So I don't think... And he's and how much money does the guy already have? You know, from from his deals previously, from sponsorships. I don't know if Durant is necessarily a money driven guy. Um, I think maybe he he may already have enough of it and know that he's gonna have no problem getting it. You know, in the future. So I don't know how much money is gonna influence him. Um, but I definitely think that you're right as far as you know him leaving. And so I agree with your no foul on that one. Um, the next statement is gonna be from a, a gentleman named Blake. Uh, he's on uh, Twitter and he's also on the FL app at Blake two two one. He he wants to know about his Sacramento Kings. So his statement. Well, I, I kind of made a statement out of his question because he was asking me about Demarcus Cousins and the Kings and everything. So the uh, foul or no foul statement is going to be the Sacramento Kings will be a better team after they get rid of Demarcus Cousins. Foul or no foul? Um, boy, that's a tough one. I'm gonna say foul. Okay. Uh, I I do not think that they're going to be a better team until they have a change in leadership. Uh, it all starts at the top. Right. I think that that has been a, a complete mess. Um, the whole situation with George Carl and the way that he's relating to a player like DeMarcus Cousins. I know that DeMarcus Cousins can be a hothead, and um, you know he doesn't always necessarily play. Uh, a winning brand of basketball. Sometimes he'll he'll maybe uh, you know chase the t- statistics, and he can be a little bit of a disgruntled player in the locker room. But I think that that's just an extension of what's the the dysfunction that's happening up top. And uh, I don't think you just give away a player like Demarcus Cousins and expect to become better from that. I think you need to change the culture surrounding the organization if you expect to get better. Absolutely. And so, so here's just a random question: Do you think the Kings are the worst front office in basketball? 
Absolutely not. No. Uh, well, you know what? They, 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 they're definitely in the conversation, but I, w- I, I would, um, and I know this is going to sound crazy and people are going to call me biased. I truthfully believe Cleveland is the worst front office in basketball. David Griffin, maybe not so much so, but Dan Gilbert and the way that that team is run, um, it, it's, it's basically a situation where that team, um, if LeBron James wasn't born in Akron, Ohio, uh, I mean, they they do they ever go to the playoffs? I mean, I just they get they get all those lottery picks, and uh, you know that you, you you get Anthony Bennett. I mean, what what kind of plan do they have in place? They, yeah, that was bad. So I, 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 so I mean, and there's part of me that just um, you know I have a lot of uh, of resentment towards them. But I'd say right now, probably yes. Cle- uh, uh, Sacramento is the most most dysfunctional front office in the sport. All right, gotcha. I, I mean, I, I probably agree with you on that. There's a couple, like you said, I, that we I could think argue. I talked myself into it as I talked. <laughs> yeah, because there's well, there's a couple you can argue, and and actually, you know, the next uh, statement I have here is about another one, which I think is a mess in itself. So here he, here's a statement. Uh, Sam Hinkie who stepped down as the GM of the Sixers on Wednesday, I believe, um, has put his team in a position to win in the near future. Foul or no foul? Foul. Foul, right? Yeah, I agree with you on that one, too. I can't, I can't, you know, again, man, they've, they've created a little bit of a mess there. You know what I mean? They they keep getting high draft picks. They keep drafting guys. They they seem to come with some kind of issue, uh, whether it's Embiid or, or, or whoever the case may be. And you just, you're kind of confused. Like, what is, you, you almost feel like there's no plan, but just to grab a bunch of guys that are, you know, highly talented or highly touted and just, you know, throw something together after the fact. That's what it seems like they're doing. It. And, and it seems like you agree in some sense there with that. Yeah, I, th- this is the interesting thing with what Philly did and what Sam Hinkie's philosophy was. Um, I, I don't necessarily disagree with how he approached the process um, in terms of if you're not going to be a team that can lure a, a top-level free agent and you're not a contender, that maybe the best thing to do is uh, acquire as many assets, young players, as possible – and um, kind of, you know, really build for the future rather than trying to be that um, perennial, you know, team that, that is just stuck in the middle. There's nothing worse than being the team that's just stuck in the middle. You either want to tear it down and build it back up or be a contender. Where, where I take issue with, how he, with what Hinky did was um, I just don't think he made good decisions. I think that, that, the, that the plan or the process is not what was wrong. I think that just the decisions he made were wrong in terms of drafting uh, guys that I, I don't know that they necessarily complemented each other so well in terms of Embiid, and then you have Nerlens Noel. Uh, they, they drafted a guy who's still overseas, and they took him very high. I think his name is like um, – Daro Sankic or something like that. I could totally Sarah, is it Sarah? That name just Sarah? Now. I think it's Sarah. Yeah, that, yeah. that could be that, that. And he still hasn't came over. Um, I mean, that pick when when they made that pick, it kind of felt like they were just like not even trying. Uh, and I think that that sends a bad message to the fan base. So I think that there's a happy medium between tearing it down, but not looking like you're just blatantly going out to lose. Um, and you, you you have to draft better. Uh, I mean. They, Michael Carter Williams won Rookie of the Year, and I think they traded him the next season. Yeah. Like that's just bizarre. It's just um, so I think the decision making was more the issue there than necessarily the process. Okay, I, I see you there. Good, good idea, good plan, but bad, bad options that you chose to go with it. Bad execution. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I totally agree. I mean, he's you know he stepped down because I believe he was going to get fired. So you know there's a there's a reason for that, right? So. Um, the last Absolutely. one I want to do, I want to just have some, it was just a fun one. I wanted to throw in there, obviously being a magic fan and, uh, me, me having feelings towards this guy, probably like you have towards LeBron right now or how Cleveland felt towards LeBron the first time he left. Um, so this one I'm just having fun with, but, uh, foul, foul or no foul, Dwight Howard will play for the Orlando magic next season. No foul. No foul. <laughs> okay. Yep. I think he's going back. <laughs> do you? Man, that I is do. that is interesting. So, what is what is the reason? And please, I want to hear this. Um, I think that, uh, and it, it, it it's tough to really put my finger on. Is exactly he going to write the ship like way. LeBron did? 
Um, I, I don't know about that. I think that, that really what you have to hope for is that Dwight Howard realizes that he's not a number one option anymore and that he needs that he is a piece, he is not the piece. Uh, and if he comes under that premise, I think he can help Orlando. Now, I know that he's kind of duplicating a position that they're already strong at with Vooch, but um, you, you may be able to flip uh, Vucevic or however you say his name uh, <laughs> to, a, to a team and get an asset that you, that you like because he's a very talented, good center. But I think that, um, that Orlando is going to go into the offseason. They did it last year as well. They're done with uh, acquiring young players and being in the lottery. I feel like they've they've they have a good young base of talent. Now they need to add the veterans that can kind of take you from being the 12th team in the conference to the fourth or the fifth team in the conference. You need guys that have been there before that know what it's like to prepare to get to the playoffs. They tried to get Millsap last off season. I thought that that would have been a really good move by them. Uh, And obviously that didn't work out. I think they're going to be very aggressive in free agency. I think if Dwight Howard is willing to take less than the max to go back there and also be a, a, a player who can maybe bring someone with him. I heard whispers of Chandler Parsons and him coming together. Yeah. Um, I like that idea. Uh, or, you know, there's a slew of other free agents that can come. Um, I, I don't necessarily see it as uh, as the worst thing in the world. Uh, what, but, I mean, you're the Magic fan. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world either. And, and like you said, I agree. I don't. I think he could help them. I don't obviously don't want to give him a ton of money. It doesn't seem like anybody really wants to give him a ton of money. Um, if if I had to choose between other options in Dwight Howard, I, there's probably other options and ideas that I've heard that I like more. Um, I, but I, like I said, I'm not. I'm not opposed to it. Um, you know, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm good with guys getting a second chance and I think he could, um, kind of do right and do, and do the right thing and, and kind of repair, like, like you said, we do have Vucevic. So it's kind of doubling up sort of, although they're kind of opposites as far as Vucevic's not exactly a defensive player and kind of, you know, Howard's a lot better at that, obviously. Um, and Vucevic's more offensively, you know, he can create his own offense better than obviously Dwight Howard, but I've heard lots of crazy things, you know, like you said with Orlando, whether it was Chandler's Parsons, I actually heard this crazy thing where, um, that they should go after or that there may be interest and like Horford Parsons and Noah, you know, all Florida Gators, I believe they were kind of coming back to central Florida um, and kind of, I think that's a great idea. Yeah. So stuff like that kind of make or more, obviously more funner or interesting to talk about than something like that. I I don't think that those guys would, you know, I think they can make it happen. Right. I mean, I don't think that's ridiculous to think of something like that. I don't think it's um, outlandish to think something like that can be put together. So, um, you know, something fun like that. I, I think I think Orlando is an underrated uh, city in terms of being a destination. I, I you know, like everyone always uh, points to L.A. and they point to New York and they point to Miami. Uh, I think Orlando is, is is really underrated that way. They've gotten good players to come there before. Grant Hill and Tracy McGrady, uh, you know, committed there, and there was even talk at that time of Tim Duncan coming with them as yeah, well. Can you imagine? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, so I, I, I don't think that it's far fetched to think that they can be major players in free agency, um, but it's, you know, it's, it, they definitely, they just need to infuse that team with veterans that can lead, that can, uh, you know, kind of lead by, by example and uh, playoff tested guys, and they're not as far away as their record may indicate. I, I really like what Orlando has built personally, um, and being that we're in the same division. Uh, I keep tabs on all the teams in in the Southeast Division, so uh, um, I I think that the future is bright for Orlando. Truthfully, yeah, I hope you're right. I feel that way too. And we play again tonight, right? Rematch for the Heat. We we, we do. So that's why, although you do have a certain level of bragging rights for that close win <laughs> um, that that took place a couple nights ago, uh, I think we get you back tonight. <laughs> I, bet you, I hope you, I, I bet you do believe that, but we'll see. I mean, you know, it's funny because Vucevic always seems to do good against the Heat, and that kind of seems like um, the thing that kind of you know kind of turns the tide. Either either he's good against you guys and we win, or if he's not that great, we don't win. But uh, we'll see, man. I mean, again, for us, we're playing for nothing, you know. So that may you know yeah. change things, and you but guys are playing for something. The, you're you're the perfect spoiler team because you don't care where you're drafting. You're not trying to draft. Uh, high, as high as possible so you're not going out there to lose you're playing to win games and be the spoiler team 
uh, you're not interested in getting a, a first pick or a second pick or a third pick. Um, so, so that makes you a dangerous team against teams that have something to play for right now. And uh, just to piggyback off what you said about Vooch, um, the, the Miami Heat organization loves him. They, they tried feverishly to trade for him when he was, I believe, uh, in Philadelphia. Yeah, that's and, who drafted um, him. They, they, try, they thought that they had him, um, and I know this for a fact. They thought that, that, that they had a trade uh, worked out, and at the last minute uh, things kind of fell apart, and Orlando jumped in there and they nabbed him, and uh, that was, that's one that the Heat organization, the front office, feels like is one that got away. Wow, I didn't even know that. That must be is that an insider thing? Because I had no clue about that. <laughs> yeah, no, that's something that I've heard. Um, Interesting. I, I have. I don't claim to be Mister Insider Guy, but just with the Miami Heat specifically, I have a few, uh, a few connections where I hear certain things, and that was one thing that I knew. Uh, that I had heard that I always found to be interesting. And whenever he is talked about in trade talks, especially when we were souring on Whiteside, there was a, a lot of uh, discussion on how interested we would be on, uh, you know, pursuing him. So you guys may have got all the championships, but we got our consolation prize, Vucevic. No. <laughs> That's what we got to show for it. Yeah. We got Vucevic. You got championships. Oh, man. Hey, the, fir- the, fir- the first finals game I ever went to in my life was uh, game two against Houston up there in Orlando. I drove up from Miami to go to the game. Uh, and it, it was a lot of fun. So, um, so I've had I've had some good magic memories myself, even though I am, uh, you know, a heat lifer. Yeah. Well, hopefully we can recreate those. We'll see. Hope maybe our teams will be, you know, hot at the same time, man. Maybe we might have our our teams might be playoff, uh, you know, opponents for for the for the you know foreseeable future. Hopefully. So we'll see. Yeah. Um, Do you remember so, how crazy Penny went in that first round series against oh, yeah. uh, Miami? <laughs> oh yeah. It was it was fun. <laughs> Like I said, even when we were going to the you know the playoffs with Dwight, it was you know as exciting as could be. So, um, like I said, hopefully. Yeah, I lived can... in Orlando the year that the, the year you guys made the finals against the Lakers. I lived in Orlando, so I that was a lot of fun. The city yeah. was a, was a buzz. Yeah, it was, it was crazy, and that's why when Dwight left, it really you know it really affected the fans pretty hard. You know, when he came back from when he was playing in L.A. and stuff, you know they were going pretty hard at the arena against him. You know, when he was in there, so he definitely didn't. As get they the, should. Yeah, he, yeah, he deserved it. I think. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, that's it for today. I mean, we covered a lot of, you know, a lot of great topics as far as the playoffs, all the hot stuff. Um, is there anything, you know, b- before I let you go, of course, and, I, and again, I appreciate it, um, you coming on. And I, and I do want to mention that you guys um, can check out, you know, Leif. Some of his work is on MiamiHeatBeat.com. Um, he writes about the heat, of course. And, um, you know, on Twitter, you know, follow him on Twitter. Give them your, your Twitter handle just so they know so they can follow you and hit you up. For sure. I wanted to definitely thank you for the opportunity to come on and talk. I enjoyed myself considerably. Um, You can follow me on Twitter at lefty underscore lace. And um, I would encourage uh, anybody to uh, check out the content, not just my content, but um, all of the content at heatbeatmiami.com. And also you can follow them on Twitter as well. But yeah, heatbeatmiami.com has a great, uh, you know, great group of guys that provide a lot of content, podcasts, um, as well as articles. And uh, if you like the Miami Heat, uh, I think that's probably your best source other than, uh, you know, uh, you know, traditional media. Yeah, I'm not even well, a Heat. I'm not even a Heat fan. I'm not even a Heat fan. I check out your, you know, your articles and it's good stuff, man. So, and, and like I said, awesome. you're entertaining as hell, you know, on Twitter, of course. But not not even just when the Heat are playing, but when the Heat are playing, forget it. You gotta get out this guy's way, unless you're, you know, you're rooting for the Heat. You gotta get out of his way because it gets crazy. Yeah, right. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, yeah man, I know. Man. I sometimes I can go on an obscenity lace tirade here or there, but I try to tone that down. But uh, you know, anyway, thank you for the opportunity. It's been a lot of fun. No, absolutely, man. Thank you for coming on, and hopefully you come on again in the future i mean maybe you know maybe the, when the heat advance here or, or maybe in the off season or something we can talk if some major things happen but definitely you know enjoy having you on and, and like i said hopefully we can hear from you again in the future definitely would love to come back Thanks. all right man i appreciate it. you have a good day yeah you too Man, that was a great conversation. I want to thank Leif for coming on again. I really appreciate it. It was good to get that NBA uh, talk going because, you know, the playoffs are about to start. And um, I felt who better to speak to it about than him. Um, again, I, I want to really urge you guys to follow him on Twitter. Uh, I know he said his handle a second ago. I'm just going to repeat it for you guys and spell it out in case you didn't catch it. It's at lefty, L-E-F-T-Y, underscore Leif. And that's spelled L-E-I-F. Um, sounds like Leaf almost when you read it, but it's Leaf. Um, so 
check him out on Twitter. Um, again, check out his blog. You can get it all from his from his Twitter, of course, when you follow him. Um, good dude, you know, tons of knowledge and just really fun to talk with. So I really, again, I appreciate it. And you guys will hear more from him from him in the future here, um, especially during the off season when free agency kicks off, the draft, and and maybe even before then, you know, during the playoffs and the championship. So again. Thank you, my friend. Um, the other thing I want to talk about really quick uh, to close this episode out is uh, Will Smith. Uh, I'm sure anybody who's listening at this point has heard that uh, Will Smith was murdered in a what seems to be a road rage incident. Um, so, so first, first of all, rest in peace to Will Smith. Um, our thoughts go out to his family, uh, his wife, who was also shot, um, seems to be recovering fine from everything I've read. Um, they left. He leaves behind three kids you know, which is, is terrible. Um, it, it's basically, you know, these are what nightmares are made of. You know, these are the things that every parent uh, worries about and, and doesn't want to ever imagine happening. And and this is tragic. You know, it's, it's something that never needed to happen. It's stupid. It's senseless. And I don't really... You know, I don't, I don't want to preach or anything on here. Um, obviously, everyone has their views on guns and um, the right to bear arms. And, you know, we all, I'm sure anybody, whether you believe people should have them or not, um, believe that if we're going to give them to people, um, stricter laws should be in effect for those who get them. And, and of course, everyone's going to find a way around that as well. If they really need to fall into the wrong hands, they will. Um, but guys, please, um, you know, let's not turn little trivial things like a car accident a rear no not i'm not saying tr- car accidents are trivial i mean the uh, fender bender that they were in obviously nobody was hurt right so you know let insurance do their job and just get the car fixed um i encourage people although our emotions may get the best of us at times um let's not you know i, I don't know his situation i don't know what exactly transpired there's a lot of you know a lot of things kind of going back and forth a lot of weird um you know, connections involved in the case. And I don't really want to get into all that because, you know, right now, three kids or you could say four kids have lost a father. Um, if you think about the gunman, who's also going to go to jail probably for a very long time. Um, it's just it's sad all around. Right. And so there's really no way to justify it. There's no way to make it OK. And I, I really don't feel like beating in an argument um, or, or preaching any kind of um you know, statement to you guys. I just want everyone to please, um, you know, get home to your families at the end of the night. You know, if you got kids, if you have a wife, if you have a mother or a father, um, I don't care if you got dogs waiting for you, you know, you need to get home at night. So, um, if, if the best thing you can do is in, in a situation like this, just calm your temper, calm your nerves, maybe not say things that you feel, um, to say out of anger. Cause you never know these days. It seems like everybody, um, is, you know, one second away from taking your life. And, um, there's just no need for it, you know, uh, and that goes out to my friends, to my family, to people I don't even know at all. Um, I want everybody to come home safe at night. So um, please, guys, just let's keep our emotions in check, um, especially when dealing with people we don't know, when dealing with strangers that we bump into on a daily basis. You you never know where someone is at in their day, uh, emotionally, mentally. Um, so, you know, although it may seem like something small to you or something that, you know, shouldn't escalate to that level, you don't know where that person is at. You don't know if they're on the edge, if they're teetering on, you know, some really hard times. Um, and, and that's not to justify anything they do, obviously, but just to say that, um, although you may feel you are in a controlled mental, uh, capacity, you can't assume that everybody you bump into in life is in that same place as you are. So, um, it's kind of like, you know, when you, when you learn to drive, um, sometimes we're taught, you know, you don't feel like you're going to make a mistake when driving, but drive, in a cautious manner to the, to the way that you assume that the person in front of you may cause an accident or the person behind you may make a mistake, not necessarily you, but they will. So kind of, it's sad that we have to live life like that. And it's sad that we have to kind of move through the everyday, um, you know, life work day and, 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 you know, time with your family to even think about these kind of things, but it's becoming our reality. Right. And it may have always been our reality. It's just, we're hearing about it more and more now with social media and the way everything is uh, an instant reaction to everything. We, we kind of hear more than we probably are ever used to. So again, guys, um, when I, when I call you guys, my clock dodgers, I mean that from my heart. Um, I appreciate everybody who's listening and I don't want to ever hear anything, you know, crazy happens to people like this. And, and it's time for us to, 
you know, it seems like we always say this in tragic moments. I always hear the same things. You know, it's time for us to recognize what's going on. It's time for us to step up and make a difference. And, you know, even hearing that is getting old because I feel like we hear it every single time. And then a week later, nobody's saying it or it's not strong enough. The voice isn't strong enough after that. So um, I'm just using this. This is my platform. And I want to, you know, tell you guys, please. You know, let's let's do what let's do what we need to do to get home to our families at night, um, because there's no way to justify uh, you being erased from Earth, erased from uh, your kids' lives early because of something so so stupid. You know, at the end of the day, it's dumb. And uh, if you gotta take the high road and and bite um, bite your tongue or you know um, hide your emotions for a moment just to get past that, that's fine. You know, it's okay. You don't always have to be the the tough guy or the guy who is right. It's okay to be wrong. It's okay to back down. You know, depending on the situation, and just and just get home at night. You know, so again, rest in peace to Will Smith. Um, our thoughts again are with your family and with your kids, um, and hopefully everything. You know, ho- hopefully this is a lesson. Hopefully someone learns from this, right? Um, we can't expect the world to be fixed overnight. We can't expect everybody to see, you know, the way we see things and, and to see things through to make it right. But all we can hope is that one person, you know, will make a, a, a better a better decision tomorrow because of this, right? And um, again, guys, uh, I appreciate Leigh for coming on. And I look forward to another episode dropping very, very shortly. Uh, probably probably in a couple days after you hear this one release. So uh, very, very quick turnaround in the next episode. Again, guys, no halftime. Um, Liquid Spiral, the music on the intro and the outro. Liquid Spiral is the name of the band, liquidspiral.com. They have a, a fundraiser page up right now. Please go donate to these guys to get this album completed. Um, they're a great group of guys, great music. Um, don't forget to check them out. And uh, again, thank you all for listening. I seriously care about you guys, love you guys, love talking to you guys. Hit me up, Twitter, at Clock Dodgers clockdodgers.com got a ton of great content on there ton of great writers that are contributing so check us out on there and i will see you guys next time peace thank you for listening don't forget to stop by clockdodgers.com and follow us on twitter